people are hungry to give hugs. Literally. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I I just want to hug people. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah. Brought to you by Island. This is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand and at the very least agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bites in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with the transparency of their cloud costs. My name is Brian Knudsen. I'm the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for ILAN, and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a great array of transparent opinions. Let's start by having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about cost transparency in the cloud. Greetings, Mike Nelson, and I am a Microsoft Solutions Architect with Pure Storage. And if I could say one soundbite is that I'm not really sure about the title of this episode because it's kind of a misnomer saying that you can actually have transparency and cost with the cloud. And I'll explain why a little bit later. Hi, everyone. I'm back. I'm Juliana. I work with Vini Software in sales. And okay, Mike, I hear you. But I believe that cloud transparency is actually a culture we must create and we must Primarate even more each and every day. Hi, this is Pumla Schmidt, uh, cloud advocate here at Microsoft. And cloud transparency is an interesting topic because it's more than just being transparent about cost. It is about changing culture and mindsets within information technology professionals. Thank you all for joining me. Cost is always a key concern with any IT system, but the pay-per-use nature of cloud services can quickly lead to out-of-control costs. Complexity of the solutions can also hide what the true cost will be. Transparency of these costs, both before and after the migration to the cloud, is key to being able to streamline and reduce these costs. Cutting through all these complications is rightfully making this a top concern. Pumla, is it possible to simplify and clarify what costs a customer is incurring? And if so, how? It depends. <laughs> so <laughs> there is a way to have cost transparency. And I say that with air quotes, right? For instance, Azure, we do provide you with tools and services that let you see what it's going to cost you currently and in the future. How much of this can you budget for? So yes, you, you can see right off the bat how much this is going to cost me at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, blah, blah, blah. We have the tools for that. It's cost management. But cost transparency to me is about changing the way we look at costs when it comes to the cloud. Because typically enterprise professionals, when we typically think of costs, we're looking at a CapEx expenditure where we purchase hardware from X vendor, right? And here's how much this is going to cost us. Here's our cost of ownership for X amount of years. You know, this is it. With the cloud, it's a little bit more complicated because it's more than just, 
hey, you just bought seven trays of storage or you just bought X amount of capacity. It's more than that because you're purchasing utilization, you're purchasing capacity, you're purchasing services and features. It's about business value, right? You have the capability to do so much. It's more agile. It's flexible. It grows on demand rather than on premises with that cap expenditure that you just bought. Can you automatically just spin up services on the fly, right? And just start developing. We're not comparing apples to apples. It's more like apples to pears when we look at this. So we've got to change that mindset of like, okay, it's going to cost me X amount for this year where yes, the cloud, it's going to cost me X amount, but I'm going to get this. Here's the budget I have. And then I can see, hmm, if I do an analysis using our cost management tool, I can see that, okay, I may need to budget a little bit more next quarter or next year, or I may need to reduce some services here if I want to stay within budget. But the value I'm getting for the business is completely different than on-premises. You're a lot more agile. Does that make sense? It does. If I could, I just want to make a comment that you talked about budgeting. From a cost transparency standpoint, I remember like two or three years ago working with customers that they didn't even understand how much the cloud is actually going to cost them. So they would go into a situation where they're like, we want to move this up into the cloud. Then they were like, well, how much is it going to cost me? Well, that's a variable, right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of variables involved. And your initial cost is a lot of folks, you know, didn't understand that after the first month, they got a sticker shock. They actually got the invoice emailed to them. And they were like, what is this? Because of the fact that the initial movement or migration into the public cloud is expensive. It's an expensive task. It's just like, you know, taking a project and buying a bunch of infrastructure, like you're saying, on-premises, you know, buying a dozen servers, hardware, bare metal, setting them all up, putting all that resource time into them, putting all the operating system on and licensing and all that other kind of stuff. Well, now all of that is done through systematic ways in the cloud, and they don't have to take that burden on, but they don't understand what they're paying for. And that's the point I'm trying to get to here is that when they budget, they're not exactly sure what they're buying. They don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what they're paying for. And to me, when I talk to customers, that's their confusion. They're like, when I buy a car, I know what I'm getting when I buy a car. But when I buy the cloud, I don't know exactly what I'm getting. And a lot of it has to do around education. They just don't know what the capabilities of the public cloud are or, you know, what their applications or workloads that they're moving into the cloud really need. Yeah, and I find it fun when people think about the cloud, they think literally of a cloud. You know, the cloud is not an abstract kind of... It's somebody else's computer. Yeah, it it is. Uh, Actually, somebody else's computer. Like some some friends of mine like to say, there is no cloud. There's just a space you rent or a space you use. And it's another people, another company infrastructure. So you have to take that in mind as well. It's a bit like the old time sharing on the mainframe. Yeah. You're buying that time. 
to use it during that bit. Now, of course, we're much more multi-threaded than we were back then, but that's essentially the concept is you're just paying for that time. Yes, you are absolutely correct. You are paying for that time. You're paying for those additional features. And I agree with you, Mike. A lot of customers do not know what features are out there, what services are out there. They don't know what's been turned on, what's been turned off. And that's where it comes back to the providers. For instance, my employer, Microsoft, to help you understand what features you do have turned on and off, what you are running, what you are utilizing, and what you aren't utilizing. And so we provide those tools for you. I don't want to say other cloud providers don't. They may do, but I know that we do. And it has saved a lot of companies a lot of headaches. It's not a fix it for everything, right? There is no one magic solution because every company is unique in how they run. Yeah, it's unique in what they're putting up there as well. Yes, I mean, we're all custom. <laughs> yeah, right. And it, you really don't know from one client to the next what their workload is or workloads that they're going to be moving up there. They may just be doing DevOps. They may have line of business. You know, uh, who knows what they're doing? But at the same time, I fall into this this situation just recently with a uh, friend of mine who works as an IT director. He was getting the bills because in the, the billing aspect for a cloud, one person gets the bills, right? And that person is the one who has to look at the bill and say, okay, this is what we're paying and this is you know what we're getting for it and this is who's paying for it. What happened with this person was is that they looked at the bill and they found out that there's a real issue with they put out a budget, their IT managers put out a budget for the cloud, but then it came back and it was like all these extra costs. There were all these extra services that were being used that didn't even tie into the workloads that they had initially moved to the cloud. And what they found out was they have shadow IT. They have folks that are actually getting on the, the tenant subscriptions or working with vendors that are saying, hey, have you got an Azure subscription? You've got an AWS subscription? You know, we can just, you know, run that app up in the cloud and you don't even have to worry about it. And they started to accumulate all these extra costs. So it was like, you know, from a budgeting standpoint, sometimes you can't budget for the things you can't see. And they really have a problem with that from a, because in the data center, they can see it, they can touch it, they can feel it, they can walk up to it, they can push the power button, they can turn it all off and tell HR or finance or whoever's, you know, using all the resources or or using resources they, they're not supposed to, hey, you can't do this anymore, and slap the back of their hand. When they're in the cloud, they just can't flip a switch. They can't do that. So they have to pay the bill. They have to justify the bill. So that's just another example of, of what I've seen from a customer aspect. I hate to interject, but there are ways for you to prevent people from spinning unapproved services. You can apply policies using rule-based access control, right? Permissions, things like that. You can limit what can be deployed, what can't be deployed. And that goes towards cost management and governance and controlling what's happening in the environment. But I agree. And I totally agree. I agree with you on that. But the only issue I see with that is that when they don't know about it, when it comes from a shadow perspective, uh-huh. Of they get the bill and it's a, again the sticker shock yeah. of where did this come Shadow from? IT. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also easy to lock down a public S3 bucket, but yet look at how many leaks we see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I prefer Shadow IT to be a completely different topic just because if it hasn't gone through the approved channels of whatever your purchasing is, right? Your normal chain of IT purchasing and it goes through 
a developer's corporate credit card, that's a completely different conversation. That's a policies, procedures, and standards conversation. If you didn't follow the chain of process and procedures where if you're using Azure and you are, you know, X, Y applications group, you've been given X permissions in this subscription or this resource group, you are limited to what services you can spin up, what VMs you can spin up. You're limited to that based off our, our governance policy. But if you are spinning up a completely different Azure tenant, using your corporate Amex or your personal Amex and expensing it back, that is a different conversation. That's not cost transparency. That's shadow IT, in my opinion, right? Shadow IT, we need to get the reins on that. We know that you want to go in the cloud because it's agile. It's fast. You can do things on your own because the cloud is just magic. It does all (laughs) sorts of things. It's got unicorns and you... (laughs) <laughs> it's, ma- it's pure magic and you want to develop to your heart's desire and you don't want to be controlled by the server admins or you know your infosec people well you know what when you do that you kind of put the it department in a bind now because you just handed them your amex bill yeah that's true who's yeah. supposed to pay for that do you normally do that with your on-premises environment very rarely do you see that happen with an on-premises capex expenditure i've seen it once yeah, and there's all sorts of security and compliance ramifications there as well. It's hard to understand all the pieces because it is a new paradigm. There's all sorts of pieces that you may not even be aware of and understanding how they work. If you don't lock things down, all sorts of things are going to happen on the back end that you're not aware of. But when it comes down to estimating what those costs are going to be, well, let's focus on the pre-sales side of things where you know we may have a sales team we're working with. We may be just looking on the website through a big giant catalog of things is going to be really difficult to figure out what your cost is going to be before you even take your workload out to the cloud. So Juliana, how successful are customers in estimating their future costs and how should they be looking to improve their estimations there? Yeah, I'm going to say it from an experience perspective, like what my current and past customers use it to tell me every day and every time, like, Okay, I want to go to the cloud. I have a DR need. I need a disaster recovery or, you know, any sort of data type of cloud repository and such. But there's five ways to ensure that these cloud costs are are done the right way. Like Mike said, you can really manage what you can see. So the best way to get into the cloud is to have this knowledge as your power. Like you need to make sure that your cloud service offers you easy to use tools that let you track costs in real time. If you don't have a cloud service, a cloud provider that is not transparent with you, you're not going to get a transparent cost whatsoever. And the key to do it is to have a cloud management platform. Like really organize your cloud needs, your metering, cost allocation, chargeback, showback, invoicing, forecasting, everything around the financial and operational side of the cloud. I would like to also add that it's interesting if you adopt multi-cloud, so you prevent unexpected price increases sometimes. It's easy, not actually not the, the easiest to use <laughs> because multi-cloud can also be like really difficult to manage, but you can 
like move your data to different clouds depending on the price you are being, you know, charged. But my biggest concern in every customer, not only in Brazil, but also in, I guess, internationally, that you don't spend money on cloud capacity you don't need. So the key here is that you need to know your data. You need to know your critical data, your not so critical data, how much of it you've got on your infrastructure and where do you need to put it and how long do you need to maintain on the cloud? You know, working at Ving, I found that data retention is really important and you need to know for how long, how much time are you going to put this in the cloud? And, you know, qualify those workloads, like I said, before you quantify your benefits, like, There's so much cloud vendors, there's Azure, there's AWS, there's a lot of vendors that you can get a lot of benefits, but you need to see what's your need before you think about what's going to be your cloud. And to, you know, to summarize it for the end, I like to add that sometimes it's best to save time and money if you relocate your test environments to the cloud, because sometimes Test environments can take so much space in the, the actual on-premise infrastructure. And if you put this on the cloud and do this a little bit of automation, it's so easier. It's not like an expensive type of workload because it's just for testing. So yeah, that takes a lot of on the shoulders of IT administration. I don't know if you guys agree. <laughs> oh, I certainly agree with about putting tests out in the cloud. Yeah. But there are times the test environment does become expensive. That's mm -hmm. because sometimes test is doing things with um, maybe test code and test code probably isn't the most optimized at times. They yeah. can run the bill up, but that's where as a service provider, you provide tools that can help you control what that expenditure is going to be, right? For yeah. instance, Azure, we do have within our cost management services that you can put budgets in and how much you're willing to spend per month. And if it hits this threshold, you get alerted on it. Yeah, that's an awesome feature. I love it on Azure. Yeah, or you can have alerts and then have you know certain VMs shut down. That's probably not a good thing from a production standpoint. <laughs> Don't highly <laughs> recommend that, but you can get alerts. You yeah. know, for different application groups when their resources are maybe, you know, they updated this month and that update code probably isn't the best. Maybe there's a bad code and it's utilizing a lot of CPU, a lot of resources. You can put some thresholds in, some alerts, some warnings, and then that actually could help you fix a problem within the application and also make sure that, okay, you're not going to shut anything down, but you're being alerted ahead of time that, okay, yeah. this month is going to cost us a little bit more. Because something's going on within this resource group. We need to take a look at it. And developers, they will. They figure out, oh, it's bad code. They release new code. They fix it. They'll see utilization come down. Okay, next month, we're back to what we are expected to be billed for. So there's tools that can help you stay on track. And I agree with Mike. Enterprises sometimes don't know what to budget for because there is so much and that is up to us as the service provider to help you figure that out 
I have to say that I really am liking this podcast because everybody's <laughs> saying they agree with me, which is awesome. It never happens. <laughs> it never happens. So this is yeah, awesome. I just spit out but, my uh, drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just wanted to say a couple of things about that is you're absolutely right, Pamela, that you, you know, you have the tools, mm-hmm. right? The problem that I see is that a lot of folks that are in the positions to look at those costs, to monitor those costs, they don't understand those tools. And that's because they don't use the same tools on premises. No, they don't. I agree with you. When you look at it from an aspect of IT, okay, IT folks, techie folks by nature, they can adapt. They need to. Yeah. Yeah. And and (laughs) they can adapt pretty quickly. And once they know that there's a tool out there, they just need to take a little bit of time with it and understand it. But you also have another aspect of that. And that other aspect, when you're talking even from a pre-sales position, is the finance folks, okay? Because they're the ones that, you know, maybe they are the ones that get the bill and they don't understand it. Finance folks, up until a couple of years ago, they really didn't associate a subscription model with anything but like maybe magazines. <laughs> and they don't understand the, the subscription model, number one. And number two, they don't understand the recurring costs and whether it's going to be OPEX or CAPEX, things like that. So they developed something that I got interested in. I was actually at a cloud event and one of the speakers came up and gave a presentation on something called FinOps. And I had never heard of FinOps wow. before. And that's financial operations for the cloud. Yeah. So there's actually a FinOps group that just focuses on how do finance folks, numbers people, understand Things like costs in the cloud and cloud billing and how that all works. It's a change in culture. Like I think you mentioned that in the beginning, Pamela, about the change in culture, but it's a change in culture for the numbers folks too, the finance folks. And it's really been an eye-opening experience that it goes beyond IT yeah. and it goes into these other areas, even up to sea level too, because the sea levels, they're like, yeah, I get it. Give me a number. If the number's too high. I'm going to tell you to go mm-hmm. lower, but I really don't need to know the details. The other folks need to know the details. Yeah. So. It's a culture yeah. shift, right? We typically, right. IT's always been, we do our thing, we make it work and the business is happy. Now it's, everything's about the business. What's mm-hmm. the business value and working with the business educating the business, working with them to solve a problem, to provide a solution. And finance is part of the business. So as IT professionals, whatever organization you're in, part of our job now is to educate the business on what we're working on, what technology they're using. And a lot of these people, they want to know as well. They want to know what their money is being spent on, what their budget is being used on. Yeah, don't go deep into the weeds, though. Oh, yeah, no. High level, you know, like a lot yeah, of them do yeah. want to know, like high level, where are you spending yeah. this money, you know, these right. application exactly. teams? And if they know high level, they get, oh, okay, I've heard of that before. I've heard of Azure yeah. or I've heard of AW. So it's definitely a culture shift for everyone all around. We're not all in the basement anymore. We got to come out of the basement. We're on the first floor. With the windows, <laughs> the blinds are open, there's sunshine coming in, everyone's having a drink. It's great. And when I say about like a cloud management platform, it's all about it because it needs the financial management, the governance and the integration okay. of the whole IT team and the company. So I guess for every IT professional, that must be the hardest part of going to the cloud because you have to be convinced, you have to convince 
your whole company that this is a needed shift and they have to change their perspective on spending on costs and yeah. on you know managing and operating the whole system correct when it comes down to it you think of it this way when you look at the idea of comparing public cloud services all the features and services that you get and the cost of those services to what we consider you know the infrastructure based on-premises type scenario, and you think of it as a single cost metric, I mean, you're being terribly naive at that point. Yeah, you, you <laughs> the, the, cloud, yeah really the cloud is not a single because, cost metric, is not a single yeah, cost it, metric. It, it totally disregards, you know, some of the huge advantages of what you can get and what it offers the business and IT. It comes down to, we need to stop thinking old school. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. The way we traditionally have with buying hardware for your data center. We need right. to shift our mindset and say, that's not how the world works now. We got to think of it as a business value. What value are these services going to provide for the business rather than going, I just spent $1.2 million in hardware for the data center, but I only yeah. get X amount of capacity and that's it. And yeah. it depreciates in four years, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and being able to do whatever you can with that at any point in time, because you own it, you already bought it. You can, you know, to the conversation earlier, I can go turn it on, flip a switch on and off with it. And you have that ability to do that. Whereas in the cloud, it's a completely different ballgame. You don't necessarily have access to everything. But at the same time, on the flip side, you can actually overdo it. And that can be really tough. I've worked with several customers that they were scraping pennies together to buy that server or to upgrade that network switch or buy that extra you know, it's a lot like me managing my own home lab. It's like I'm scraping everything I can together to make this work. And when they go to the cloud, then they end up in this weird place where their costs are much more variable. Uh, we talked a little bit about how budgeting changes. And maybe we can dig into that a little bit, Mike. I'd like you to maybe dig into kind of what customers should be looking for to help them figure out what those monthly costs are going to be. Like, you know, are there specific tools out there? Are there specific reports that they should be looking for when they're evaluating cloud providers to help with that? Well, there's a couple of different things that I've worked with, and there's a couple of different areas that you look into when you're you're like, first of all, what are the workloads? Okay. You need to understand from the business aspect first, what workloads or what applications are actually going to be, you know, moved into the cloud, because that can actually put you in a different direction on your cloud provider, because there are some cloud providers that have focus areas. And I'm not going to call some of those out because obviously they will disagree because they have other services, but there are some providers that are just really kind of focused on developers. Okay. And they really want the developers to go to those clouds, but you know, you have to look at that. And then you also have to understand, you know, what data, like we were talking about before, what data you can pull out of the cloud to understand the reporting aspect. Like you said, Brian, is, is, how can you actually predict what you're going to pay? How can you figure out how much you're actually utilizing the cloud? I'm an API person, right? So I really dig clouds that allow you full API access into the cost, into everything that you can get, because I'll pull that data out and I'll put it into a mechanism to produce the data output that I want. And in my particular instance, I'll be honest, I use Power BI, right? So I'm able to pull that data into Power BI and I'm able to massage it, manipulate it and present it how I like. A lot of financial folks that I've worked with really love that. They really dig that because they're like, hey, 
you can make this look the way it's kind of like an executive, right? They like, I don't mean to stereotype a lot of executives, but uh, they like their shiny balls and their pretty pictures and things like that. And you really can kind of position the data the way you want it based on the audience. But there are other tools out there that compare cloud costs as well. There are very well-known services out there. You can go ahead and search. You can Bing it or you can Google it or however (laughs) you like to search. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. That actually will give you a side-by-side comparison of, hey, I have this much storage that I know I'm going to be using for this particular project. How much is going to cost me in this provider compared to this provider compared to this provider? And you kind of think of it as a calculator of sorts. And they do it for, I've seen them for network bandwidth. I've seen them for storage capacity. I've seen them for compute capacity, which is really the core consumption of the cloud, right? Compute, storage, bandwidth, those are the core consumptions. So using those tools, we keep talking about the tools and being able to report that information will give you a much clearer picture of what you can expect to pay and and what your ongoing costs are going to be. But I will say also that don't be surprised if, you know, you really don't have a way of like calling up a cloud provider and saying, hey, can you give me a price match against this cloud provider? That's really not how it works. Okay. They're not going to, you know, like guarantee you a price on something on a one-to-one basis. So you look at these different numbers that you're getting in comparisons, you kind of have to, you know, maybe take a hit on something in order to be able to utilize something else. That's just the way this works. And uh, if you're working with a cloud provider, that's uh, not one of the big three, as we call them, you know, maybe they'll be a little bit more flexible. And I've had a, many customers that are working with Island, as a matter of fact, and with the other providers like Rackspace and others like that, that are build custom packages, if you will. They'll be able to take your workloads and say, we're going to build you this package and this is what it's going to cost you as an estimate per month. And they stay within those guardrails pretty well. But when you go up into the public cloud, there's a lot more there. There's a lot more to do. There's a lot more to utilize. And you need to make sure that you're getting all of the costing and all of the data to be able to report on that and understand those costs in order to make intelligent decisions on which cloud to use. At least that's, you know, my opinion. I like what Fumalo said about the alerts and this kind of culture shift to accountability, because you can see which person and which IT professional is using determined resource. And a lot of, you know, service providers can offer that, such as Azure and every other type out there. So I guess the best way to use the cloud is to know the cloud. And like I said before, knowledge is power. Yes, it is. (laughs) Knowledge is power, right? And the more you know, and the more you share, I mean, it's just better. And taking that with transparency and the more you know about what's going on in your environment, the better it is. And I hate to go back to Azure does this, but we do, right? <laughs> we do. So we I mean we've got Azure Advisor, which is free. Everybody gets it. And it can let you know what you are running. It's a great tool. It really is. It is. Yeah. And it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> It allows you to optimize as well. That's another key that I missed there is when you're talking about the advisor, being able to optimize costs 
Because you might have sale and orphan things laying around and this tool helps you with that. Yes. Then you can pull in Power BI and do all sorts of fancy stuff. And you can also combine that with other vendors' reports. Like, for instance, I work in Vin Software and we have Vin One, which is a data management tool that can integrate to the cloud and can give you some information as well on, you know, if you have a hybrid environment and you're doing just DR kind of strategy to your environment. And also some players like Pure Storage, they have like reports on hardware and such. So as IT persons, we have a lot of reports. I guess the difficulty on this is deciding which service, which report and so on, because there's a lot of them. A lot. Yeah. And and Nylon's the same way. I mean, we're all <laughs> yeah. about reporting and, and providing access to see here's what you've utilized this month. And if we trend that out to the end of the month, here's what your costs are going to be at the end of the month. Providing that transparency and that understanding so that you can optimize. I like that bit of advice is key because, you know, having those alerts, having that utilization and where that's trending are ways to be able to cap those costs and make sure they don't get out of control. I was going to say, it's different than what our traditional VMware admin, server admin, or yes. infrastructure admins normally do. We're trying to be more proactive, right? We always talked about it when we ran VMware on-premises. We're going to be proactive. We're going to be proactive. And oftentimes we are reactive, but now we actually have the ability to be proactive yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. We can maybe take our fire hats off a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that about the cloud is that while it looks more complicated, in some ways it is, you know, there's a lot more different variables to track, but those different variables give you more power to see what's really going mm-hmm. on and be able to do the charge back and the chain back and the show back and the all those backs we tried to do to your point in the past. So, yeah, I mean, all of this conversation is great. It's just jam packed full of great advice here. The ones that I think are most potent to me that I see with our own customers and other customers that have gone to different clouds, you know, it's important to adjust your approach. The cost paradigm is completely different because you're purchasing resources and not those hard goods that we're used to. So the CapEx, OpEx, that's another whole podcast episode that we did this season. And it also shifts the way you budget. It's very different. It's still super important though that you control and track and maybe even more important that you do those things as we discussed because those costs can vary depending on what's turned on, what's turned off. So you need to make sure you understand what all the different levers are that could cause those costs to come up. Even if you're not going to use them, you should at least understand that they exist and make sure that they're in the off position. And as part of that is just knowing your data and how you should treat it, how you should manage it and, and keeping tabs on it very closely. I like the advice that test environments are a good way to test the cloud. It's a good way to kind of understand the cost model and whatnot because they can't get out of control. I actually have seen customers with test environments that do get out of control. And that scares me a little bit because it is a less controlled environment. So, you know, there's pros and cons to everything when you move it to the cloud and at least getting something up there to test it and to get familiar with it is the key there. The tools and concepts may be foreign, especially when you consider this isn't just the IT team that's going to be affected. You've got to take into account the financial team and the executive team and all the other teams that are going to have to deal with the data that comes out of here. And in the end, there are all these different clouds. They're all focused on slightly different or drastically different audiences in some cases. And you need to be mindful of that while you're picking which provider you're going to go to so that you can know what lens they're going to put on your data 
what lens they're going to put on your costs, what lens they're going to put on reporting and alerting and all these other things we talked about so that you can pick the right one that's going to fit your organization. So with that, let's finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to Puma, Juliana, and Mike for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out all the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. This is the level of conversation we have at VMworld, only we usually yeah. do it at a bar and we're yelling a lot more. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and drinking. <laughs> and, and, it, and well, I wasn't going to explicitly say that, but I was going to say that you know, the, the inhibitions go down quickly. Um, yes. and, and therefore it does. I mean, I've never gotten a fistfight over any IT conversation, <laughs> but, you know, some people have strong opinions and sometimes those come out in those situations.